We're going to get right to it. Thank you guys for listening. Energieslovepodcast.com. Go follow us. Go like. Go subscribe. Go share. Do all that good stuff with the show, with the podcast. So if you're a fan of the podcast, you've been listening for a while, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you enjoy about the show, what you like, what you don't like maybe. Go to our website and you'll see the tab for contacting the podcast and shoot us an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to the podcast. This episode is brought to you by the coolest little metaphysical shop in Utah, as above, so below. They're located in Roy, Utah, and if you don't know where that is, by all means, just get on your phone and find it. You can also find all their information through our website. Just click on sponsors and you'll see the link for as above, so below. So if you're on a spiritual journey, if you're on your own path and you are in need of guidance, advice, recommendations as far as what to incorporate, what to use, maybe you're into crystals, maybe you're into tarot cards, whatever it may be, you can find all of those things and more at as above, so below. It's a fun shop. It's a cool shop. It's got great energy there. They've got amazing people there on a regular basis. They're continually hosting classes and events coming up on August 13th. Sunday, August 13th is going to be their fall metaphysical fair. This is going to be an all-day event from 10 to 7. It's a great opportunity to get outside and bask in some of the amazing things that they're going to have there at As Above, So Below, as well as check out the shop if you've never checked out the shop before. So go to their Facebook page. You can click on the events tab, which will then show you all the things that they do at As Above, So Below, and then find the event for August 13th. Like I said, it's going to be their fall metaphysical fair. It's a great opportunity to come out and support the shop as well as get some good energy work done, buy some crystals, some jewelry, all sorts of good stuff. Go show them some love. On today's episode, I had the wonderful honor and privilege of speaking with Shara Conan. So I met Shara a couple years ago. She came out to Utah and I got to meet her in person. She's a really, really neat, interesting lady. Shara is the casting director for Warm Springs Productions. They're responsible for shows like Mountain Men, which is on the History Channel, um, Legends and Lies, Log Cabin Living, Beach Hunters. They've got a lot of different shows on a lot of different networks. Um, and Shara, like I said, she's the casting director. So she's got the fun job of going out and meeting a bunch of different people and finding the right person for the show that they're producing. So she's got a lot of really fun stories, a lot of really fun insight. She's just a really fun, chill lady. And we had a great time chatting on the podcast. We had the fun opportunity of recording the show in Bozeman, Montana. My wife and I took a trip up there recently and Shara came out and met us and we just had a wonderful, wonderful time. As always, we got into a lot of really deep spiritual stuff, which was kind of surprising, but at the same time, it wasn't for me because I know that she's a really connected lady. Shara shared some great stories, some really good insight and a different perspective, I think, than sometimes that we kind of talk about or comes up on the show. So if you want to find out more about her and Warm Spring Productions and the shows that they produce and where, I mean, I'm sure you've watched some of them at some point because they're on all the big major networks, but you can go to warmsprings.tv. That's their website and see all the shows that they produce and Cher is responsible for casting all of those shows. Now, everybody sit back, relax, turn it up, push play and enjoy this episode with Shara Conan. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the Love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. Well, good morning. Good morning. How this are you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. 
I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. I'm doing well. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to pronounce your name for me. My name is Shara Conan. Okay. I'm going to screw it up. That's okay. It's so That's funny okay. because when I met you the first time, which was, I was thinking about that on the way up here. It was like two years ago. Two years ago. It was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Um, but I could never get your name right. And it drove me nuts. Well, and you're not alone. I'm Cheryl, <laughs> Sharon, Sherry, whatever. I kind of answered any of those things. Yeah. So how long have you lived in Montana? Born and raised. Um, lived here for 51 years. So I was I was born in Butte, Montana and lived here my whole life. Do you love it? I love it. Yeah. We've never been before. Well, we've been through Montana and like last year we went to Yellowstone and we popped into is it Gardner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we've been, you know, in portions of it, but this is like the first time that we've ever spent a significant amount of time here and it's only a few days. But. And you're here for perfect weather. Yeah. yeah. It's not bad. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I actually live just outside of Yellowstone Park. Really? So, yeah. We drove through West Yellowstone and then came down through whatever that canyon, that area, that place is. Gallatin Canyon? Yes. Yes. And it was so beautiful. So pretty. Like yeah. there was a storm that had come in and there was a little bit of rain and like the mist that was covering trees and all sorts of stuff. It was really, really pretty. Did you see any wildlife? No. No? no we didn't. Dang it. We were hoping I kept my eyes out, but. Yeah, that's a kind of a mecca for bighorn sheep. Really? So usually you run into some on the roads. Or, well, literally, <laughs> hopefully not run into them, but they're there. I recently saw too that you went to Alaska. Yeah. I want yep. to hear about that. So I've been to Alaska three times this year. And my most recent time, um, I was on the, the coastal areas in Alaska. So I landed in Anchorage, in Anchorage and drove the coast to Homer, Seward, um, that whole area, Hope, Alaska. Um, and I was just uh, doing some work for a TV production that we have called Mountain Man on History Channel. And it's amazingly beautiful. I mean, Montana is really beautiful. Alaska is bigger than life. <laughs> I mean, it's just huge. And then I, I was fortunate enough to get to go to Juneau, and, which is amazing, and watch whales and do all of these amazing things. And I was actually going to fly to the Aleutian Islands, but the volcanoes were erupting. Really? And, yeah. And so I, I didn't want to get stuck there, so I didn't go. Because <laughs> it affects like air flight. Uh, air travel and everything like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They said that um, if the volcanoes are erupting that day, it'll cancel the flights. And I was flying into Sandpoint and um, the flights prior, the prior day had been canceled. So yeah, I wanted to get home at some point. So when people think about, like for me personally, when I think mm -hmm. about Montana and then mm -hmm. I think about Alaska, um, I've never been up to Alaska and one day I'm hope hopefully we'll be able to go. But I think that people kind of have, unless they're really knowledgeable or educated or they obviously they visited mm -hmm. but i think that they kind of have a similar i don't know if perception is the right word or not but do you know what i mean oh absolutely like it's it's outdoors it's nature it's mountains it's remote there's big open spaces right but how different is alaska you know mm -hmm. it is it's just a different it's just a different world um montana is very you know it is very outdoor oriented and um it's a little bit more I maybe urban then Alaska is a lot more to me it felt very much more rural and fa everything is so far away like you think you know I'm gonna drive to home or it'll be a quick drive and it's five hours <laughs> you know and not only that but the speed limit's not 80 in Alaska yeah it's what is it 55 really yeah I can't do that <laughs> so anyway everything just takes so long and um 
but the mountains are bigger and the the people are bigger than life and there there's just some real differences and especially if you get into the real northernmost areas like Barrow Alaska and um Prudhoe Bay it's it's a for one thing it's a cold that I've never felt and Montana gets cold you mm-hmm. know but when you get out and it literally takes the breath out of your lungs it's a it's a different breed of cat <laughs> you know so everything about it seems to me to be like Montana on steroids yeah. it's just whoa huge like you come around a corner and there's mountains jutting out of the ocean we don't have that here you know we have lakes it's it's just a different world we don't have whales we don't have you know sea lions and it's it's cool it's yeah. a little bit of everything because there are parts in girdwood alaska which is a ski resort town um it looked like a jungle it looked like like waipio valley in hawaii you know it's just this crazy mix of you know kind of rainforesty areas and ocean and you know it's it's different yeah it's beautiful beautiful how long were you there for collectively um i guess about three and a half weeks that's a long time yeah i spent a lot of time there this year yeah and it it was i love every day of it (laughs) yeah juno's very urban and hip and there's great places to eat and there's cool shopping and it feels like you know, like Taos, New Mexico or like Seattle or, you know, something, Austin, Texas, it's very kind of being rejuvenated and there's a real young crowd that lives there and there's a music scene and good food and, you know, so there's a little bit of everything. I Does it still feel rural to us in a sense too, like when you're in the city? Um, Juno feels actually for being smaller, it is the capital, but for being smaller than Anchorage or Fairbanks or, you know, some of those, it feels more urban. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, it's just got that more, and maybe it's because it's tour season too, but it felt like a, a little more hip. Yeah. I love it. That's cool. Yeah. So tell people about, cause it's warm Springs production, right? Yeah. How long have you worked for them? So I've been working for warm Springs productions for about six and a half years. Yeah. So prior to that, I actually sold resort real estate up in big sky, Montana, which you would have passed on your way through mm-hmm, the Gallatin mm-hmm. Gateway. Um, and there I was fortunate enough to meet the, the founder of warm Springs productions who when they started, you know, we started out in the outdoor and sportsman's channel world and the the founder of the company actually had a show on the outdoor channel called The Pierce Project. And he fell in love with the television business then and when he was sold the other businesses that he had his hands in, he decided to open a production company and for like really legit reasons, like he, he saw that a lot of production companies don't have, um, they don't actually hire employees. They don't have insurance. They don't have any benefits. They don't have retirements. They're all freelancers. And, um, so he decided that if he was going to do it, he wanted to open a company and actually hire people and give them a foundation and give them security. And that's exactly what he did. And I was fortunate enough to get on. So you didn't have, you didn't have any experience before that in regards to like None. production and TV and anything like that? I was, my whole background was in real estate and in interior design. So completely foreign. That's a big like. Um, you know what, actually, so I'm the casting director for the company. So actually it is not a leap because it's a people job. Mm-hmm. So real estate is about people and um, 
feeling comfortable with people and associating with people of every demographic. And what I do is pretty much exactly the same thing, except that I get to travel to do it. They don't come to me. <laughs> so it's not really a leap. And, and honestly, in the film and television world, there's such specialty jobs. There's, you know, editors and um, production assistants and story producers and all of these things that require such a specialized skill set. And I would fail miserably at any of those because I have I don't have that skill set. I was fortunate enough to get into casting, which there's no training for that. There's no casting school or there's no training programs and weekend, you know, educational opportunities you can take. So it's it's a people job. Yeah. So and that's you like what it obviously, right? Love it. Yeah. 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 What's one of the um like when you started it, what was one of the things that you didn't necessarily realize was going to come out of it. Do you know what I mean? Either some aspect or some experience or something like that. Well, when I very first started, it was really funny because when I started with the company, um, I, like I said, I had worked with the, the founder of the company before in real estate, you know, I was his real estate agent in big sky. And so when he asked me to come on, we weren't even really sure what I was going to do because the production company was just getting started. And, and so he said, well, what do you think about, you know, do you want to go find some people? And I was like, all right, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So I went out and the first, my first assignment was looking for gun traders for a show that we had, um, gun traders. And so I, I went to a bunch of gun shows and, you know, just started searching out people. And I think the biggest surprise to me is how people want to tell you their story. Yeah. They do. Like, and so many people in the world have no opportunity to be heard. And so if somebody's interested in them, and especially in like remote areas or kind of um, jobs or people that kind of live in the background a little bit, you know, and they, they feel unseen. And for somebody to actually come to them and ask them, like, tell me your story, they are beside themselves. <laughs> and that's the most rewarding thing to me is because it's fascinating. And people miss out on so many amazing people because they don't ask yeah you know and so i think that's been the biggest biggest reward and the second biggest reward to me is you know i'll go on an assignment and i'll meet a bunch of people and we might never ever do anything with them but then i feel like i stay in touch with people and i feel like i've made friends all over the country including you yeah and so um that that's the amazing thing to me is that i get paid to do that you know i found that with the podcast where <clears throat> um, I'll talk to people sometimes and they're like, well, what would I talk about? Like, I don't want to come on the show. Cause like, why do you want to talk to me? Like the, and I'm like, trust me, you're interesting. Right. Like you have a story to right. tell. You have worth that people want to hear and want to, do you know what I mean? You have things that people will benefit from. Right. And so it's real similar to a sense in, in that aspect where I love being able to talk to the wide variety of people that I get to talk to. Right and share their story and their insight. And undoubtedly, do you know what I mean? People walk away from listening to that episode and have little tidbits of information and insight from that person who initially thought that they were like, you know, just boring old me. What, why would you want to talk to me? Right. And I think the beauty in it too, is that they're surprised themselves. I think sometimes when they, when they start talking and then they're like, Whoa, I am kind of, I am kind of, <laughs> interesting you know and so to watch watch people and the, that's the other beauty is to take somebody that you know literally you know traveling to say barrow alaska you know that's it's really special to get to go there because 
I would have never had the opportunity or, you know, I wouldn't even have thought of it. Is it like really remote? It's the northernmost point. It is, it's on the Arctic. Um, It warms up in the summer. They said it gets a warm 40, you know, and (laughs) it's beautiful. The sun has a ring around it like I can't even describe to you when you're there. It's just this amazing place, but nobody's there. You know, nobody goes there for, um, and so the people, I think you lose yourself in that, you know, you just get stuck in a little circle and you don't understand that there even would be an outside interest. And so it's, you know, it's just fascinating to me to go in and, and, you know, I drop into a place with no, um, no preconceived notions of what I'm going to find, no appointments set up, no really direction. It's just a matter of just kind of boots on the ground when that's what we call it, boots on the ground casting. So I'll stop in a grocery store or the chamber of commerce or, you know, just whatever it is and just start, um, start digging. And people are so helpful. If they're not the person you're looking for, they definitely want to be the person that finds the person you're looking for. So I've just found out that people are so amazingly willing to give. You know, they, they just want to tell you their stories. And, and I also get to like drop into a place like that. And I don't drop in and then drive to a convention center and have meetings for a week and then leave. I actually get to drop in, drive the whole area. I mean, I drove every street in Barrow, Alaska and to see, to actually get to see a place and to dive into it and really see how people live and find out that everybody wants to give you something. Everybody wanted to give me a jar of fermented whale blubber, you know, and it's a treat. (laughs) Like that is, it was very generous of them because it's their, it's their sustenance. It's what they, Uh you know, and they, they whale during whaling season and they cut up these whales for the entire village. And so it's a shared thing. You know, there's like three whaling captains and they go out and it's this week long venture and they got 19 whales in Barrow, Alaska last year. They process them, they have this huge celebration, and then they all share it. And yet I show up and um, and they want to give it to me. They, you know, they want me to take some home with them, mm-hmm. me. And, you know, and I, it's amazing. It It's cool. Is that how you do most of the casting for stuff is just showing up? Or do you ever have like, you know, yeah. is there another aspect where you, because I'm listening to that and I think it's fascinating. <clears throat> I didn't realize that that's what you, I mean, I knew you were a casting director, but I didn't uh-huh. realize that that's how you did it. Uh-huh. But I think the fascinating part is um, like the randomness where, do you know what I mean? There is that one person that's out there waiting for you in a sense that right. it's just a matter of you have to find them and flip over the rocks and, you know, seek out. And then eventually you find that perfect ideal person. That's exactly what you were looking for. And it's always so serendipitous how it happens. You know, it'll be just a, a very strange coincidence. Oh, so for instance, when I was in Homer, Alaska, this, this last week, I guess, um, I, I was looking for very specific characters for mountain men on history channel. And, um, I, you know, I had a couple of names that people had given me that I was trying to track down and, you know, it's, it's fishing season. So a lot of them are commercial fishermen, they're out. So I stopped in this little restaurant to connect to Wi-Fi for a minute and to make a few phone calls and grab something to eat. And two gentlemen walk in that are, um, I can tell they're probably, commercial fishermen, um, mm-hmm. and start talking to them. Turns out they're the most fascinating. They've been on a show before in just a, you know, a small piece and they know everything, the entire area. And they were so willing to help. And so you start talking to them and, 
you know, turns out he's from Livingston, Montana. He graduated with the girl I work with, you know, and it's <laughs> such a small world. Funny story about that too. So I went again to Barrow, Alaska and, you know, so I'm holed up in this place and I'm going out very selectively because it's cold. Like it is cold. <laughs> you had to plan the trip out. Yeah. Right? I had to get and warm my car up, plug it in. I was just like, okay. So when I had to go out, it was very planned. And I get a message from a relative of mine that's like, hey, I think we have um, a cousin that lives in Barrow, Alaska. Well, at least he did when, when I, you know, after he graduated from high school, he moved to Barrow, Alaska. And so I start digging around just to see if he's still there. And I come up with his and his wife's name and I call and his wife actually hung up on me twice. I don't know. She thought I was a solicitor. And I'm <laughs> finally, I'm like, I get on, I'm like, Hey, please don't hang up. Please don't hang up. Do you know, blah, blah, blah from Montana. And she goes, yes. What, what does this have to do with? I'm like, <laughs> I'm family. I'm a, I'm a cousin. And so I actually got to meet, they've lived there. He was the fire chief in Barrow, Alaska for 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you and had never met him before? Never even heard of him. No. And that's happened like so many times. It's just like, it's very, very serendipitous. So not only do you get to do what you love and find people for TV shows, but you find out there's also a reason, another reason why you were there. Yes. And for whatever, you know, path you're on, boom, you got to, you got to meet family and got to tell my family, Hey, they're great. They're doing good. You know, they're, you know, they're retired now and loving life. And his wife actually is one of the whaling captains. Oh, wow. So it was, it was just this most ridiculous serendipitous moment that, and it seems to happen a lot. <clears throat> Did you have experience like that? Like, have you kind of had that your whole life to a certain extent? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it's happened a lot and I don't know, it's just because my family's so huge mm -hmm. that, you know, they're everywhere, but yeah, very serendipitous things like that happen all the time. And, and so have you, have you always had awareness of it? E yes. Well, other people have always had awareness of it, you know, like, um, and very, another very funny story. I was just a month prior to that. I was in Butte or in Montana, in Bab, Montana, which I hadn't been to looking for again, mountain men. And I went to interview this family and their Blackfeet Indian. And we just started talking and talking and they're adorable. And I felt very close to them from the very beginning. And the more and more we talked about it, we started talking about family history and where we came from. And, and he says to me, um, well, yeah, you're from Butte, Montana. And I know so-and-so in Butte, Montana. And we started making this connection. And then he tells me about his family that migrated from Canada. Their maiden name was Choquette, which is my maiden name. And so we trace this back and we are distant relatives to these <laughs> two Blackfeet Indian that live in Bab, Montana. And so that happened a month. And then a month later I was in Barrow and it happened again. So yeah, it's, fascinating. And all my friends were like, I cannot wait for you to go to Chinatown. I can't wait. <laughs> so, so we always think that you're right where you're supposed to be. I like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Regardless yep. of how the situation may seem, or even when it's shitty or when it's wonderful, you're always right where you're supposed to be. And I love that you have like awareness of that, do you know what I mean? Recognition of it. And even sometimes it's challenging in the moment to right. recognize it. A lot of times it's, you know, after the fact where you kind of sit back and put all the pieces together and realize, oh my gosh, like, you know, had I not, you know, maybe my flight got delayed or, you know, if I hadn't turned left instead of right or whatever right. the case may be. Right. But it always takes you wherever you need to go. Yep. Do you feel any other connection 
because we're going to go off on a tangent here. Okay, absolutely. I'm good on tangents. Yeah. Do you ever feel any other connection to, um, because I, <laughs> I believe that that's the the universe spinning and Absolutely. connecting and all interconnected and yep. all the wonderful stuff that it does. Do you ever feel any other sort of strong connection to things like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and by the way, that is my mantra every single day. I say I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and only good things happen to me. And I believe that for the most part, that's really true. That is true. And even things that, like you said, they are, they don't seem good in the moment. Mm-hmm. They come out exactly how they're supposed to come out. You know, if you just kind of quit fighting life. Um, but yes, I've always, um, I feel very in touch with the present, the past. You know, I, I, I've always spoken to, um, grandparents that have passed and, you know, so I've always felt very, very connected with that. And I feel like my children are really, really connected with, you know, the intuitive world. And, you know, so we're, we talk about it all the time and we're really open to it. When you say you talk to your grandparents, do you feel Mm -hmm. like it's just a way of soothing yourself and you talk to them or do you feel a closeness to them and some sort of interaction in a sense? absolutely feel some interaction. And I'll tell you a really funny story about that. So I actually, there was an intuitive that came to Butte, Montana a week ago because a a friend of mine's son had passed really tragically two years ago. And he started reaching out to this intuitive who's not even in the area to the point where she finally reached out to his family. Like, Hey, I need to talk to you. He's Keegan is coming and talking to me. And I felt like there's some things I need to tell you. So anyway, we have this memorial volleyball tournament for him every year. And she came in this year for it. And so I just went to talk to her because, well, I, I love it. I believe, I believe really strongly that sometimes you need somebody to connect you if you're not. And so she told me, she said, um, no, there's somebody here with you and his name is Frank. And so my cousin, Frank, who they called us kissing cousins when we were little had passed away when he was 27 years old. And, um, I have talked to intuitives many, many times and he has never been the person that, you know, came and I just, I wasn't thinking about it. And if she hadn't, if he hadn't actually told her a name, I would not have picked it up. I wouldn't have picked it up. Like I wouldn't have known who she was talking about. But anyway, she said, he knew you were coming today. And so yesterday he left you a feather. And it was the craziest thing because my daughter and I were running the day before and we found a feather on the walking path that was like, we're like, is this from a pterodactyl? What is it? It was the biggest (laughs) feather we'd ever seen so much so that it caught our attention and stopped us. And so she, I mean, and, and since then she told me that he travels with me everywhere I go. Um, and so I, I so believe that I had a really terrifying incident happen in Memphis last year where I was held at gunpoint, um, and robbed. And anyway, it could have turned out really, really bad. And it didn't. And this whole serendipitous thing happened. And I ended up with my everything but my money and my credit cards back really quickly. And it was just terrifying. But also, like I saw the the worst and the best of people in like 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and it was this crazy time. And she told me, hey, Frank was with you. He wanted you to know that he was there with you and he travels everywhere with you. And since that's happened in Alaska, everywhere I go, I find feathers. Yeah. And now I I don't know if I wasn't aware of them before and he was trying or now I'm like, hey, Frank. (laughs) So 
it's fascinating. It I mean, is. and it makes me feel so safe and comfortable. Do you think that's the purpose of it? Because yeah. yeah, I always think that there's multiple reasons for it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a wonderful example of how um, things work at times or how we choose to believe that things work, right? Right. And um, But I think there's always multiple reasons for it. And so whether it's just a warm feeling that you have, whether it's really um, him there protecting you and looking out for you, whatever the case may be, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think that there's multiple reasons for all of it. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and I feel like, you know, in, in Memphis, maybe he there was some kind of intervention. I'm not sure. Uh, because in that exact night, there were six homicides um, in armed robberies in well, one night and I walked away. Do you want to tell me, like, are you okay talking about it? Oh, absolutely. So tell me the story, what happened? Yeah. So, um, a girl that I was actually interviewing and I, we, we worked all day filming and doing all of these things. And then she said, do you want to walk down to Beale street? I never, I'd never been to Memphis. I'd never been to Beale street. So we walked down to the house of blues, watched a set, um, went to dinner and then we were walking back to the car and just where we were parked was outside of her business actually. Um, and they don't have a streetlight. So it was one of those dark places and it was, we feel like this person was probably actually watching us walk and they went, they got to a place where, you know, opportunity struck mm -hmm. and they could actually, they could come for us. So they, we were walking and this car pulled up behind us without its headlights on. And as soon as I turned around, I knew it, something bad was going to happen. And two guys jumped out and then there was a driver too and they ran up and Laura who I was with actually had the keys in her hand and so she was able to jump in the driver's side door of the car and slam the door and the guy was just beating on the window with a gun and the other guy chased me down and just jammed a gun into the back of my head and took my backpack and um stuff he left and then he came back because he hadn't taken my phone and so I gave him my phone and and he, he took off again. He didn't, and he didn't shoot me, you know? So anyway, it was this crazy story when Laura jumped in the car, um, as soon as she slammed the door, it locked my door. And I don't know that I could have gotten in the car otherwise. And the police said that if we had of, they probably would have shot us through the window. So it, it all just kind of turned out exactly how it was supposed to. And so we called the police and, um, they came, they took our story. And while we were talking to the police, they got a call and they're like, um, Hey, we have got a white female kidnapped. And it was like three blocks from there. And so one of the cops took off to respond to that. Well, they had my backpack and everything. And they got over to that location and there was three men that were standing on the corner that live in the exact same circumstances that the guys that robbed me did too, but they were good, you yeah. know? And so anyway, the, that car that had robbed me when they were driving by threw my backpack out the window and my wallet flew open and my ID was in there. So by the time the police got there, these three had already pulled up my Facebook profile and they thought I was still in the car because I guess that's the MO in Memphis now. If they can't get what they want from me, they take you to an ATM. Mm. And so these three men assumed that I was in the car and called the police. And so they were like, you need to go find, she's in that car. And they had all of my information pulled up and everything. And so the police called back where we were still over doing our report and stuff. And he's like, Hey, come over here. We, we've got your stuff back. And so 
we drove over it. And these three men, like I said, who are raised in this exact same rough environment were so happy that I was alive. One of them started crying. He's like, I'm so happy that you're alive. And, you know, and they brought everything back except for, like I said, the cash and um, some credit cards. They they took my computer, um, what else, a camera, stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. And within minutes, I had my ID back. <clears throat> I had, you know, everything that I needed to get home, basically. And so which I didn't actually go home. I was there for another week and had this marvelous time. But yeah, so when I think about Frankie actually being there in that moment, I, I think it was more than just for comfort. And mm -hmm. I think it was actually, he was he was my guardian angel. So how, that's a shitty story. Like that's a terrible thing to go through. It, you know what? It was, but it was, like I said, it was the, the worst and the best of people in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I had a really hard time wallowing in it because here are these three men that I don't even know that are crying because I'm okay. You know, so it, it was actually really kind of beautiful and terrifying, but yeah, the terrifying part ended really quickly. And now I still communicate with the three men that called. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and you know, they have nothing and mm -hmm. they, they still did the right thing and they're the good in the world. So did you have any, uh, after effects of it? Cause it's a traumatic experience. Yes. Um, the thing that makes me the most mad about it is, um, I'm never afraid and I, I'm, I mean, I'm always aware of my surroundings, but I never question people and I've never passed somebody on the street and then turned around to see if they were turning around and mm -hmm. now I do that and I hate it. It like makes me furious every time I do it, but it's like, and especially, um, these men that jumped out of the car had hoodies on and sunglasses and you know, the, all of the typical, you know, the MO, mm -hmm. exactly what you would expect. It was exactly what you'd expect. And now, um, I hate hoodies for one thing. And I turn around sometimes when I walk. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like it. <laughs> so, but other than that, no. Have you ever thought about like, did you go through and not necessarily pick apart, but think about, cause we were talking about like synchronistic events that happen and mm -hmm. things where you're kind of in the right place at the right time. And I talked about how I think there's multiple reasons for everything that happens. Right. And mm -hmm. multiple, like just so many different angles that things happen right. uh, or why things happen. Did you go through and pick apart and try to see like, why did this happen to me? Why was I, you know, there at that time? Had we stayed a little bit longer at the house of blues, then they would have moved on and gone to somebody else. Or do you know what I mean? There's so many different angles to think about and look at. Right. And you know, to be really honest with you, I didn't, the police did. And mm -hmm. they told me everything that I did wrong, like wearing a backpack in the city and walking alone at night <laughs> as a, you know, two women. And, um, I had on really brightly colored tennis shoes, which is really silly. I didn't even think about it, but they were like, don't, you know, don't do that. Anything that will draw your attention to, you know, and they might know that you have on expensive shoes, just don't. And so, and honestly, my family picked it apart to the high heavens. My dad bought me a pistol, which I refuse to carry because that makes me feel like I'm a victim. So I hid it away, but, um, they picked apart pretty much everything I did. But, you know, at the end of the day, everything I thought about, I came to one conclusion. It was the perfect storm. It could have happened. It doesn't, it doesn't make Memphis bad or more dangerous than anywhere else in the world. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
And I was actually really blessed. I walked away with no, nothing bad, you know, and I met these amazing people that called the police for me and had my back that I don't know, you know, and that's what I expect of people. And it's exactly what happened. So, yeah, but you don't, I mean, when I say you don't find that very often, I think we don't hear about that very often. I think that for the most part, that stuff happens on a regular basis. Not, not terrible no, things so. for people getting, you know, held at gunpoint, but I think inherently people are good. I do believe that inherently people are good. And, and I think, you know, you had asked me if I ever feel in touch. I think intuitively, if there is somebody that has bad intentions, I think I, you can feel it. And I, I'm sure you find that in your travels too. I stay away from people that give me that feeling. And so I always feel very comfortable, like in my surroundings. And I've had a couple experiences where I'll walk in someplace and, you know, just say into a hotel and notice there's not a lot of people staying there and I won't get a good feeling about the person that's checking you in and, you know, and I, I don't stay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's simple as that. I just leave. And that doesn't happen very often. Most of the time you feel um, so welcome and like kind of taken in that, yeah, I, I agree. We don't hear enough about the good things that happen because in like, I, you know, I can't say it enough in 20 minutes I saw the worst of people. And, and it's not even that because in a way it made me realize that how lucky I'm, I am because I've never felt that desperate. I've never been in a situation where I felt like I had to take something from somebody to survive. Mm -hmm. Never. And that's a blessing. And so, and they were young, they were kids, you know? And so it made me grateful that I've never known that. My kids have never known that. Most people that I know have never known that situation where that's how you felt like you had to do, you know? Did they end up catching <clears throat> those guys? No. You know what? And I did three lineups while I was there. Um, it was dark. They had hoodies on, sunglasses. I could I could rule people out because of height. Mm -hmm. But other than that, no. Yeah, no. it's so and hard. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, and it was, besides that, it was quick. They came up behind me. So it was more, if they had talked, mm -hmm. you know, it might have made a difference, but No. And you know what? They must have needed that 800 bucks more than me. So I hope they did, bought their kids shoes with it. It's like the rippling effect, exactly. right? We always think, I, I mean, I always think about that where, um, you know, those guys came and you had an interactive experience with them, like on an energetics level, right? Right. right. And maybe, maybe you, maybe because they uh, singled you out and attacked you guys, they didn't attack somebody else exactly. and saved that person's life. Exactly. Or maybe, you know, they put, put, put them back 15 minutes later in their schedule or whatever for their evening and they avoided a car accident or exactly. whatever the case may be. I mean, I love kind of going down that rabbit hole of all those possibilities, but at the end of the day, it's like, who knows, right? Right. But I did think about that. Like I thought about what if it had been somebody younger? What if it had been somebody that tried to fight back? What if they had been able to get in that car door and then they would have shot us? What if, you know, because nothing bad came of it for me, mm -hmm. like, and who knows what the next person, you know, if they had like somebody had tried to fight back, but which do you feel like I thought you, I would though. Do you I, feel like you handled yourself well? I didn't think so until I talked to the police. Like I thought I would, um, resist, mm -hmm. you know, and I did not, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, take it, take whatever you want, you know, give them, oh, you want my shoes, Wh whatever, you know? So, um, I did not react how I thought I would react. You know, I've taken a lot of self-defense classes and all of this stuff. So I thought I'd be prepared to like, 
um, protect myself. But after talking to the police, I did protect myself by doing none of that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't give them a reason to shoot me. And so if I could tell anybody that, that's what I would tell them now. Don't. Just give them what they're asking for. None of it's not replaceable. Yeah, especially when it just comes to property. Right. Like it's one thing if they're trying to grab you and throw you in the back of the car or right. something like that. But right. if it's just property, yeah, give it to them. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, again, serendipitous thing about this is the next day I was interviewing two people for HGTV. They flip houses in Memphis, two gentlemen. And I was running late because they took my phone. Um, they took... You know, I didn't, I had to get some stuff done before I could go to the interview. So I called him and said, Hey, I had this really weird thing happen last night because weirdly it was kind of embarrassing to me. Like, Oh yeah, I was held at gunpoint weird. <laughs> um, so I called him and said, I'm running late. And I went to Verizon store and I got a new phone and I ran out there and they were like, so what was it that happened? And I was telling them. And one of the gentlemen had had the exact same thing happen to him the year before, except that he didn't have any cash on him. They threw him in the car, took him. He couldn't get his ATM card to work and they shot him. And he was actually in the hospital for a month. And so he had this story and I'm like, oh my, you know, I'm so crazy, huh? lucky. Yeah. So it makes lucky. me think too, cause I always like to, I always like to question the things that I believe or the things that I think. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's also the possibility that it's so random right? Where it's not necessarily beautiful, synchronistic, serendipitous things that the universe lines up for us. Right. It's just crazy chaos. Right. Where it could, right. do you know what I mean? Right. Like it was just happenstance that you didn't get shot or that these people did do this or right. whatever the case may be. Right. Which could very well be. And I really choose not to believe. Like I, I, <laughs> I just so believe that everything lines up for whatever reason, whatever reason it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think, I think we, I think as humans, I think we do that where we want to believe in something mm -hmm. that makes us feel good at the end of the day, that gives us that warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, even if that's just the sole purpose of it. Right. Or maybe it is possibly chaos and just random happenstance, but we have put this spin on it so that we feel better at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. You know, and that, I, that could very well be. Yeah. I don't believe you know? that. I think it's definitely all intertwined and interconnected and that things happen for a reason. Right. Um, so that was a year ago. It was October 10th. Yeah. Of last year. Yeah. Do yeah. you feel like there's, I don't know why we, I'm, we don't need to harp on it anymore. Oh no, it's but okay. Do you feel like there's, because uh, I think there's ramifications or multiple things that will stem from one, one occurrence or one event. Like even now where, you know, so much time has passed, do you mm -hmm. still feel like there's things that, well, you mentioned that like now you still every now and then you catch yourself looking behind you or checking for right, things. Right. Right. Yeah. If somebody passes me on the, on the sidewalk even, you know, and I, I walk or run every day. And mm -hmm. so I've, I'm always used to just being out alone and I've never had a moment that I felt like when somebody walked by me, I had to turn around to make sure they weren't turning around and following me. And you know, it's getting better. It's getting a lot better. And, um, and I'm, I've been trying really, really hard not to automatically stereotype the people that remind me of the person who did it because it was ran that, well, that was random, mm -hmm. you know? And so on one hand, I do believe it was random because I believe it was just the perfect storm, you know, and there's no way you can get around that. And, you know, because my, I mean, people worry about you when you travel alone and, and I a hundred percent understand that. And I'm always like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's going to happen. And then something like this <laughs> happens and you're like, I don't want to call home and tell them. In fact, the police were like, Hey, we're going to have to call somebody at home before we take you to the hotel because 
there's there's no way we're just dropping you off without somebody knowing and i'm like oh god here we go <laughs> you know and yeah you it's know, like it, everybody's worst case scenario absolutely and especially for my you know my kids but they also understand you know and like my daughter's first response was mom you know what how sad for that boy like how sad for him that he he doesn't have another means to provide for himself and so i you know i was proud of them i was just like okay you know they're they get it yeah yeah so although they were very <clears throat> frustrated and and worried they they also understood that it was it was random it was a perfect storm i was in the wrong place at the wrong time and it could have happened in my hometown it could have happened when i was running it could have happened anywhere so yeah i don't think it was random i think it happened for a reason it was uh, yeah it but frank was there so yeah. i'm good yeah you know? for sure yeah and that's a cool thing there's no doubt in my mind and she specifically said that she said he was he was with you mm -hmm. so and i now i'm you know for whatever reason i'd never thought about frank i always knew like my grandma was with me and i knew but now i know and that's so cool that i had no idea did you kind of have that um, intuitive, connected feeling your whole entire life? Like, do you remember things from your childhood or growing up? Or yes, yes, and I can I can remember after my grandmother passed, always feeling like mostly having dreams about her all the time, which I still do. Mm -hmm. And I've always like, I guess, intuitively known that it wasn't a dream, like it was a communication, and it was always just checking in. And you know, she was my best friend when I was little, and so it made sense to me that, yeah, I would still talk to her, you know? And so, yeah. And I've also always felt very connected with people, like kind of intuitively, well, and this is going to sound really random now, but I've always seen people in color. And so I don't mean like this bright yellow person, but I've always like when I meet somebody and just immediately like associated them with a color and there's colors that I don't know what it means to anybody else. I don't know what that whole thing means. I know what it means to me. And I don't think it's any different than a gut feeling. It's just how I see it. And so um, I've always felt like I knew who um, I'd work best, best with just by that. Based off of the color. Is it something that you visually would see on somebody or is it more like a thought or an impression um, that comes? You know what? It's it's really, really hard to describe because I wouldn't say that it's an aura because that seems really weird, but it's an, it's an automatic yellow. Yep. Yellow. That's a yellow person. And so it's always been really hard to describe when I would tell my mom that like, Hey mom, there's that lady, you know, she's the orange lady. And my mom would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, um, it, and like I said, it's no different than anybody else's gut feeling, but it's just how I've always done it, you know? So, so I think I've always kind of felt like I knew, who fit into my kind of my tribe by that and and it's played out pretty much is there a color that like when you when it pops up on somebody or when you come across it that you're like i'm good like I'm, i yes. don't really need association i don't yeah. really need to yeah what color? there is red red yep it's it's <laughs> just a color that for me it's you know and again i don't know what those colors mean and i've there i know there's a bunch of books out that you can read well, what do they mean to you like, that's exactly that's all it matters is what it means to me so red is just a, a color that for whatever reason and it's not that i think those are bad people they're people that are toxic for me mm -hmm. and it's played out enough that i believe it now you know and um but <laughs> okay the flip side of that is i've also met people that are like red yellow and they're some of my favorite people I just know to stick away from them when they're having a red day, you know? So I don't think anybody's any one thing, 
Yeah. But um, that's my color that uh, that really is um, toxic for me. Um, like I'm trying <clears throat> do the best that you can to describe it. Okay. Because when it comes to the space of what you're talking about now and mm-hmm. seeing like super familiar, right? Like you're totally, right. it's wonderful that we're talking about it. Right. Um, but is it a physical thing that you see? Is it in your mind's eye? Is it? Because you know how sometimes when when we think thoughts, a lot mm-hmm. of times we see words in our head. Right, where, absolutely. Like if I tell you to think of <clears throat> an elephant, you'll visually see an elephant, but then mm-hmm. sometimes you see the word itself. Right. Um, so how is it? Like, is it? It is. It's in my head, but it's a definite. It's a visual. Um, it's it's visual to me, but it's definitely in my head. It's not like I look at you and see a blue aura like floating around you, mm-hmm. or you're not like a Smurf. It's it's just a I look at you and I'm like blue, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and I see the color blue, but I don't. It's in my head. It's not around you. Okay. So, and that's been forever. So like in your imagination, even though yeah yeah. When I say imagination, I th- yeah. I think when I think our imagination is how we interpret energy. Right. And exactly. I think that that's how it comes through and everything like that. And we can have, we can imagine things and we can create things in our imagination. Right. Yeah. But then I think that's also the tool that we use to interpret energy is our imagination. Exactly. Just to kind of make it simple. And that's what it is to me. It's, it's energy, but it's a, it's an energy to me. That's a color. And I, and you've always had that always. And have you always like, did you ever, ever have a point where you had to kind of figure out what the hell it was or did mm-hmm. you always just kind of know and Yes. You know what? I honestly, I don't think I ever thought about what it meant because again, it just felt like a gut feeling to me until I had kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that then it meant something to me because my children aren't the same color, (laughs) you know? So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what does that mean to me? Like, Uh because I don't love one of my kids more than the other kid. So what does, what does that mean? None of them are red by the way. So that's a good thing. (laughs) But, um, so I started kind of analyzing it at that point and started like trying to put people in more of a, a group. Like if I see somebody purple, I know they're going to challenge me. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be somebody that's going to, um, and usually really, really intelligent, maybe borderline arrogant, and they're going to challenge me. They're going to try to make my life more difficult than it has to be, you know, in some way. And Push so, some buttons and some boundaries and things. Right, right. So... Now, now I just know it's like knowing that you're dealing with, uh, you're not, it's not a wolf in sheep's clothing anymore. You just know you're dealing with a wolf and it makes my life easier. You just look at them and you go, oh, okay. So I'm going to deal with this yellow person who might actually even sugarcoat stuff for me a little bit, you know, but I'll know, I'll know it's being sugarcoated. And again, it's no different than anybody else's gut feeling or intuition. It's just how I see it. And so not till I was an adult did I actually start trying to, um, like put people in a group like, oh yeah, well that person was purple and this person was purple. So maybe purples are going to give me a run for my money. Kind of draw correlation with it. Yep. Yep. I find that really, really fascinating. Like, I think it's a wonderful skill. I think it's neat that you've had it your whole life. I think it's neat that you kind of like, did you ever go through a time period where you questioned it? Like where you're like, what is this? Why do I have this thing? Or did you just kind of accept that it was part of it? Because it's definitely yeah. a thing, sure. It's not. It is. Do you know what I mean? It's not like just, oh, it's just happened. Like right. you're intuitively connected to the universe and energy and you have right. the ability to interpret it outwardly so that when right. you come across and interact with people, you have a very good radar that pops up and you can know instinctively whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing or 
And I, I don't know that I ever questioned it, especially growing up because I didn't know it was any different than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I never talked about it. It was just like, oh, you know, I kind of assumed if I told my mom, you know, the orange lady that I thought she'd know, you know, <laughs> you know, that orange lady. Um, and so again, I didn't really think about it, but I also think now that that's why I have jobs with people. Like it's a people thing because I feel like it's given me um, tools to deal with people differently. Like I know how to approach it if I see something. And as far as ever really questioning it, I've actually questioned people before. Like I'll meet somebody that I think is red and then be kind of fooled for a minute. It's always come back to bite me in the ass every time. If I like let my guard down and think, oh, you know what? I just, I, it was, I misinterpreted them right out of the gate. It's never, it's like I said, it's come back to bite me in the ass every time. Is it something that you have to turn on No. Nope. or is it just something that it just happens? It's just happens. And the only thing is I'm like, not, I'm not walking through a mall or like a large group of people going orange, yellow, red, blue, you know, mm -hmm. it's never like that. It's always a one-on-one -on -one thing. Like if I make eye contact with somebody, I get a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and it af especially after a conversation, because a lot of times it sounds really weird, but there's a lot of tan people in the world. And I think it's because they don't communicate with people enough to like develop a, an aura, aura a yeah. color, you know? And so sometimes those are the people that you're like, I don't know who they are yet, but if you get to know them then, but there's, there's a lot of people like that in the world. And Maybe that's what I say. Like their shield or something where exactly. they, you know, they're so protected and right. so, or unheard, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's the funny part about, like I said, I run into all these people that, you know, I'm interviewing like mountain men. They don't have cell phones. They don't have social media. They don't have televisions. They don't, you know, they've lived completely these very isolated lives. And many of them, when I meet them, I'm like, I don't know what they are. You know, I, I think if they were inherently bad, I would see that right out of the gate. But, you know, it's just this, you know, I just think they're unheard. And so they don't really know who they are yet. And so when they start like talking and talking and, you know, then generally you can pick up you know, something go, Oh my gosh, you know, they just, it was, they were hidden. Yeah. But there's still a lot of people in the world too, that are, um, they're tan, you know, you just, you can talk to them forever and you're like, I don't, I don't know. Just they're tan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you have that you would describe? And maybe you don't describe that because I don't, do I think that's a gift? Yes. But I don't think that um, I think everybody has that. Gift. I do. I do too. I think that's just the way that yours manifests. And right. I think it's incredible that you just accept it and use it and move through. Do you know what I mean? Cause right. I, you probably wouldn't necessarily, um, cause it would be very easy for me to describe you as somebody who's a natural empath, uh, intuitively connected, uh, sees color and, uh, energy. Um, do you know what I mean? Like there's all these things and ways that I would describe you to a certain extent, Right. but you don't, you may not necessarily describe yourself that way. Like you, for you, it's just me. This is just what I do. And this is just how I see things. Right. Yeah. And to me, I think that, um, I think it is, I think everybody has it. Mm -hmm. And some people would call it their gut instinct or their whatever, just feelings. And I think for whatever reason, that's how mine manifested. And I just, I don't think I ever tried to shut it. And I, th I think that might be the difference is I think people close their minds to it. And I, I just, for whatever reason, I never did. Cause I've always just felt like. Um, it was, 
I didn't know any different, I guess, you know, have you ever so, tried to do more with it. No. Mm -mm. Have you ever had that thought? No, I, you know what? I really haven't. It's, it's funny because my, my daughters, I've got two daughters that are both very intuitive. Like my daughter, my youngest daughter, okay, this is a crazy story. So she was three months premature. Mm -hmm. She was one pound, 14 ounces when she was born. And in her um, incubator, she was in Great Falls, Montana for three months. And we had, there's in Butte, Montana, there's a statue. It's called Our Lady of the Rockies. And it was a tribute to a, a gentleman's wife who was passing away. He said, if you will save her, I will resurrect this monument as a tribute to the lady of, you know, the um, mother, Mary. And so he did. And it's this huge statue now that's on the hill in Butte. And we had, you know, with along with other things, there was a picture of that in her incubator. And just because it felt like, you know, somebody watching over her. And when she was old enough to speak, we were at one of my, the grandparents' house for Easter, and they had a statue of Our Lady of the Rockies on their china cabinet. And she turned around and called it Mama and continued to call it Mama. Hello, Mama. Hi, Mama. Talking to this, this statue. And during the course of her life, she had several times where we were at a... Um, at a park and it was for my husband's class reunion and they had this huge blow up obstacle course and she was she was just under three she had just climbed in and the wind picked it up and tossed it and it stuck in the top of a tree and slapped down and threw the kids out of it and i was freaking out because she didn't fall out i couldn't find her anywhere and she came running across the park i was like oh my god Haley, how did you get out and she said grandma alice took me Grandma Alice had been dead for like two years. So mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And for a lot, long time, Haley would talk about the little girl who was with her that danced all the time. And, you know, it never frightened me. It freaked my husband out. <laughs> but, um, and then she shut it down for a while. She said that she put the, the little girl, she moved her out of her bedroom and, you know, she did all of this stuff. And so now I can watch Haley opening back up and I believe that she can probably do more with it than I can. You know, like I, I think that, um, I kind of reach my capacity for what I have. I, I mean, it, it serves me well. I don't know that it actually, I have the capacity to serve others with it. I feel like she might. Yeah. You think you've reached your capacity for things with no in regards with, to that? with that. And maybe it's just because that's what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. 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 But I feel like she has, and she also went into massage therapy now. So it's kind of that, um, kind of a touch mm -hmm. thing. And, um, you know, people will describe like, yeah, when she gives you a massage, it's warm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's her calling. And, um, like mine, like I said, it serves me well, but I don't know even what my colors would mean to somebody else. And so I don't like try to ever... Yeah, it's not go. like you could write a book and say, when you see red, this means it's exactly. bad. When you see green, it means this. Right. And I would never even feel comfortable advising somebody else like, hey, that person's red. You mm -hmm. should stay away because it's mine. That's my stuff. It's not theirs. So, um, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm really, really blessed with that because I think it serves me well. But I don't know that it's a gift for beyond that. Um, do you have anything else? Like you talk about being connected to past loved ones and being able to kind of talk and communicate and receive right. information and then <clears throat> like super connected you are because you see i mean you're doing a lot of cool shit it makes me really happy that <laughs> <clears throat> that we're talking because it's good stuff well thank you i i am too um and no i think really that's that's it i mean i've always talked to my loved ones or people that that pass like my 
like I said, my friend's son who, who, um, he died very tragically. And I feel like I sometimes, not only do I feel like I can talk to him, but sometimes I'll see somebody turn around and walk away from me and I'll be like, whoa, you know, that was, that was Keegan. Yeah. And, you know, so stuff like that. And again, it, it serves me. So maybe I'm a narcissistic in my, <laughs> it's, it's always about serving <laughs> me. <laughs> So I, I feel really blessed about stuff like that. And I think it's always been such a part of my life. I never think beyond that. You know, it's just a, it's a blessing. Would you say that you ever see aura or auras, I should say? I don't know. Cause I've often wondered if color is an aura, but again, I don't know what that means to anybody else. So I don't, I don't know what, what is an aura? Do you see auras? <clears throat> I, um, is it just their energy? I think this is my take on it, right? Uh -huh. This is my um, my belief or my perception or my thoughts on it. I think it is just energy. I think it's just their um, outward energy. Um, I think I think your aura resonates or emanates from inside of you, and I think it takes on a color or a tone or a shade. But I think it's all like the way that you describe, where these colors are just for me. This is my interpretation of it. And this is what I mean. So mm -hmm. if I were to look at somebody and see their aura, I might see it as a green or a purple or some shade or tone of that. Mm -hmm. But I have to, I have to learn what those colors mean to me because I'm seeing them through my lens and through my filters and through my interpretation. And so I think when people have, do you know what I mean? If somebody says, well, when you see a purple aura, it means this, or right. it means that they're, you know, their crown chakra is wide open and they're super connected to the divine light of blah, 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 blah. Right. I think that when I see purple, it means something different than when somebody else sees purple. Right. And, but when I have seen, or when I do see, cause if I, if I focus a lot and if I try to set forth that intention, then I, I can start to see it very clearly but it's not something that I just walk around and see on a regular basis. I kind of have to bring awareness to it. Mm. And there is times where it'll catch me out of nowhere, kind of surprise me for some reason. And then I kind of sit there for a minute like, okay, why am I seeing this? Or why am I seeing that color or whatever the case may be? But a lot of times when I see somebody's aura or when I see energy, it doesn't necessarily have a, um, a specific tone or color to it. It's more of like, um, you know, when you see heat on the surface, like mm -hmm. on the horizon, like on a hot road or something, you look way down there and you can see heat and yep. you can see it moving along the surface of the earth or whatever. That's to me what I see more, most often if I'm looking for auras or looking for energy or do you know if something catches uh, my attention. Right. That's kind of what it looks like. That's the easiest way to describe it. Cause it just kind of looks like a, like a disturbance, I guess. And that's probably the wrong word to describe because it's not a bad thing. It's just, right. that's kind of the way it's clear, but it's, it's not, it's got shape, but it doesn't. It's, like it's more of it chaotic. Some of it's chaotic. Some of mm -hmm. it's not. Okay. Mm -hmm. So do you, when you do see an aura, like a color, is there a color that resonates with you? That's like, do you have a favorite? Do you have like somebody that you just know instinctually you're going to be, we're going to be friends and do you have a danger? I don't. You don't? No. Like I don't have, I don't have a strong enough, when I say I don't have a strong enough, I don't have enough awareness of that connection or I've never worked with it enough. Mm -hmm. It's not like the, the, the thing that you're talking about and describing, I think that's an incredibly innate gift that you have. Um, and I think if I were to try to practice or harness, I could get to some point where I could have that, right. but that's not innate in me. That's not how I see energy. Right. I feel people more. Uh -huh. Do you know what I mean? Where I can definitely feel, um, people right. and how they feel and whether or not it's going to be 
you know, and I can pick up on people's feelings mm-hmm. um, and kind of where they're at and how what they're going through and experiencing and all that kind of stuff. But I don't have color that just pops up. I don't have the ability to just kind of connect. And and when I do see auras or colors on people, I don't know what the hell it means. Like I don't have I don't have enough experience or enough consistency with it to say, oh, when I see this, then that's what it means, or I need to right. look out for that, or whatever the case may be. Right. And that that's funny because I think that's how I spent my whole life. Like I didn't know any what it meant. All I knew is that if I met somebody and it was yellow, they're my friend. Straight up, <laughs> they're my friend. Yellow's my favorite color, you know, and, and it just became part of like who I am. Like yellow is my thing. And and I think part of that was just because of the people that innately were yellow. They just it just happened. And as far as beyond that. Red's always been a danger color. Like I don't even have red clothing. I'm like, no, I don't, don't love red. You know, that's not true. I do have a couple of red things, but generally I, I just don't do, I just don't do red. It's a thing. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until, like I said, I got older and I had these babies and I'm like, well, that's weird. They're both, they're all three, mine and my husband's. How can they be so different? You mm-hmm. know, there's, One's teal, one's pink, one, you know, I'm like, how did that even happen? So it didn't, it wasn't until then that I actually started trying to figure out what it meant to me because before it was just a, it was just a gut instinct. Like, oh, well, goodness, look at their green. Like it didn't occur to me that green was going to be somebody who, um, was going to teach me something or, you know, so yeah, it's the people that, so like your children, for example, Mm -hmm. um, obviously they've been in your life for a long time and you're really connected to them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, have they ever changed colors? Nope. Have you ever met or run into anybody that you've had association with long enough to see their color change Um, or I've had, I've, like I said, I've, I've met the people before that are either yellow and then they're red Mm -hmm. or red and yellow. And actually some of the closest people that, um, I had, a boss actually, well, she was somebody I worked with in real estate who, when I met her, she was very yellow and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. And then it became very red, but then there was this yellow red thing that happened and I still loved her the same. I just knew. And so then I started wondering if like, is it a personality thing? Like, is it a disorder? (laughs) You know, (laughs) trying to use a medical diagnosis. Uh Then I'm like, what is that? But it became very clear to me that I could sense where she was before I, before I actually had an interaction with her. I could tell by the way she walked. Mm-hmm. I could tell by the way she um, called on the phone. I could tell by the tone in her voice that, whoa, that's this red day, you know? And so I would just limit my interactions during that time, but I still love her the same. So as far as changing completely, no, but I have had other colors incorporated into like, but it's always been yellow, red. I've never had somebody be blue, purple, blue, green, you know, so those are the two that ever kind of get mixed together. I have had, like I said, people that first appear to me and they're kind of tan, like, um, then I get to see their color, but mostly, um, no, it's pretty much holds true. That's such a neat thing. Yeah. It it really, you know what, that's funny because now I never talked to anybody about this. Now I'm kind of embarrassed, but it is. It's, it's, it's really been a blessing in my life because it, I feel like it gives me a lot of direction. And would you describe yourself? And I know like, you know, we label ourselves certain things. I mean, when we meet people, this is what I do and this is what I am. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, I've got three kids, blah, blah, blah. Like this is how we describe ourselves. Like at any point down the line of things that you describe yourself as, would you ever describe yourself as somebody that has this ability or that this is something that kind of, not defines you, but that right. 
you do you know what I mean have or that you can tap into no why I never have um because again I just feel like it was I feel like it's a gift and I feel like it's no different than you having like a gut instinct about somebody like feeling whoop danger you know mm -hmm. or oh my god they're going to be my friend for life and for whatever reason in my mind it's just always shown as a color and so I don't feel like describing myself as somebody who has a strong gut instinct is any, <laughs> you know, so I guess I've never, I've never thought about it. Yeah. It's always just been very much a part of who I am. I mean, I buy, I buy clothing based on it, you know, just things that make me feel good. I always have yellow flowers in my house because it makes me feel good. You know, it's just a thing that is, again, it's narcissistic, intuitive. <laughs> it serves me. Do you know what yellow, uh, when it comes to chakras, do you know what yellow is associated with most often or most typically? No. It's going to be your solar plexus. So it's kind of the center of your body, um, your gut. That's, you know, like when you talk about your gut instinct or something mm -hmm. like that. And so if I was going to step outside and not step outside, like go outside, outside, but if I'm going to step outside of this conversation for a moment and just listen to what you're talking about and what you're describing, yellow is your favorite color. So you're going to be most connected to your gut and to your... Do you know what I mean? That's going right. to be your strongest chakra in a sense. Well, and I love to eat, so <laughs> I think it's true. <laughs> and then red, red is most associated with the root chakra. And this is the same thing where... Which is, what's that? Uh, um, so typically as far as like where it's generally ideal, not ideally, but most generally focused in your body is going to be like at the lower base of your spine. Um, it's in mm. regards to... Um, like being grounded and connected and kind of sometimes like survival flight, fight or flight to a certain extent and just kind of how you feel um, based in in security in the world and in your life and things like that. There's there's a lot of other things that you can draw from it. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. And so I think it's really fascinating that those, because <clears throat> those two are, they're not like polar opposites. Like polar opposites would be your root chakra and your crown chakra. Right. Two opposite ends of your body. Typically, you know, one's based here on earth and the, you know, rooting and mother nature and everything like that. And your crown chakra is your connection to the divine or whatever we want to call it. And what color is that? Typically it's uh, like a violet or a purple. Oh. Okay. And, um, so I think it's really fascinating that you've got yellow and red and this is my interpretation or take on chakras. Like chakras have been around forever and a day, right. right? Right. And so if you, like, if you're listening and you think that red is associated with something else, that doesn't mean you're wrong or that I'm wrong or that you're right. It's just all whatever you take from it. Right. Um, but I, for me personally, I think it's really fascinating that you have yellow and red because those, those two are also chakras that are typically um, work closely with one another and intertwined. And so when you talk about... Um, like when you talk about seeing somebody that's red and knowing kind of immediately that you're done, you know, and then yellow being your favorite color and the strongest, like to me, that's your, that's your shadow and that's your light. And so the people that stand out red to you, my guess is, I don't know how to explain it. Like in my head, I'm trying to put the thought together <laughs> and put it into words, but it's like, um, there's a certain amount of that too, that probably, yes, you know, that you're not going to get along well with those people and that you kind of need to steer clear of it. But my guess is that they're probably going to be like, you could probably learn a lot from red people. Right. And, and I have, like I said, my, the person that I worked with in real estate, that was this red, yellow person, 
to this day. I mean, there, there are times when, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was the most difficult time in my life. Every day I will tell you that I've never learned more Mm -hmm. in my life than I did in with my time with this person. I mean, taught me so much about everything, including myself and also about how not to be sometimes, you know, so no, I would say it was probably one of the people that taught me the most out of anybody I've ever met. I mean, so much so that it sticks with me. I mean, she resonated in my life. Mm -hmm. And when I see her now, I'm still really grateful to see her. So that's good. Yeah. That's very, very cool. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And so when you see people and you get like an intuitive feeling about them, how do you see it? Just energy? Um, like for me to physically see things uh-huh. uh, like outwardly rather than in my imagination or like in my mind's eye mm-hmm. for me to physically see things on people or around or in the space of whatever the heck it is that I'm doing, I have to focus a lot. I have to bring a lot of awareness to it. I have to get really quiet and connected to that space. Um, but as far as like, I would say like my natural ability like you, you, you know, you have that natural ability to see color on people. Um, I think I feel way more naturally. That's probably like my strong suit where I can be moving throughout my day. Um, same thing. Like if I'm walking through a crowded mall, I don't get sensations of how people are feeling or do you know what I mean? It's not like suddenly I walk by somebody and can tell what they're thinking or if they're having a bad day, but if I'm interacting with people and then more importantly, if I, cause that's kind of an innate thing that happens. Mm-hmm. But then if I bring awareness to it, then it gets really strong where I can really connect to people and really kind of gauge and feel where they're at and what they're experiencing and what they're going through almost to the point sometimes where it feels like I not, not like I can see their thoughts or read their minds or anything like that, but I can see the trajectory of their thought and their path. And does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. It's yeah. It's kind of abstract, but it's, um, so for me, like, like I said, if I have to see things or if I see things, I have to get real quiet unless it's out of the blue. Like, you know what I mean? There's plenty of times where I'll just see shit. Right. But that's random. And do you know what I mean? I think sometimes. And when, when Is it frightening? No, not for me. No. <clears throat> I don't get afraid of it, but um, it's because I have like, I don't think there's anything bad. And so I'm okay when I see scary shit. Sometimes it, you know, it might jolt me and I might have to take a minute and remind myself that there's not anything bad right based off of what i think and what i believe but um in the long run or in the end it doesn't frighten me or anything like that um but when i do see things i have to use that as the reminder of like okay what am i feeling if i see something or you know i have some sort of thing that catches the corner of my eye or something like that I'll bring awareness to it, but then I always go back to what am I feeling? Why is that now connected to what I'm feeling? Like, what is it that I'm missing? Do you know what I mean? So I kind yeah. of go to my thought process and what I'm feeling and things like that. But but in your case, it got to the point where you felt like you had to serve other people with it. Is that true? Um, <clears throat> I think I've always wanted to serve other people. I've always wanted to help people. Like I really, really like, um, I really like helping people in their life, whatever the case may be. Like when it comes to this podcast, one of the things that I really like is that somebody out there in the world gets to listen. And whether it's something that I said or something that you said, they're going to walk away and have a thought or 
um, something that resonates and sticks with them throughout their day or for their week, or maybe it's something drastic, or we have put pieces together for them in the puzzle of their life at this exact moment when they listen to this podcast that helps them move forward in life. So I like that aspect of helping people in that regard. And then actually getting to work with people or talk with people or helping them more directly. I, I really, really like that. And that's something that Jimmy, I've done a bunch of different things and a bunch of different ways and things like that. But at the end of the day, like that's something that I feel very, very happy about and proud right. about when I get to do that kind of stuff. So do you, can you see the energy of people that are completely closed to it that don't, that don't, aren't, don't believe? Um, like don't believe in regards to energy? Yeah. That don't believe in regards to what you do. Yes. And I mean, you can pick up on people. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't take long talking to somebody before you can sense whether they're not really tuned in and listening to you. Right. And it may be because they, you know, I don't talk to everybody about colors and auras and energy and chakras and everything like that. Nor do I. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes when conversations start going in that direction, then you can pick up on whether or not they're open to it or whether they're close to it. Right. And sometimes it's physical cues, it's body language, it's demeanor, it's the way that they're, you know, communicating with you. But a lot of times too, you can just tell by right. the way people feel. But I think that, <clears throat> I think more often than not, the people that don't, whether they're not open to it or whether they don't believe it, I think those people typically are sad, closed off people in general, mm-hmm. not just in the space of energy in the universe or do you know what I mean? Spirituality. Right. They're just really close. They're, they're probably not necessarily tan people, but like people that are really closed off Right. Not happy, kind right. of miserable inside. And do you know what I mean? Those people, those are the people I like to help, but right. they're really, really hard. But do you get the opportunity to actually change their mindset sometimes? Sometimes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I think so. But I think I think regardless of, um, I think everything that happens that interacts between two people. So like you and I sitting here talking and having this, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. There's things that you might resonate and connect with a week from now or six months from now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for and sure. And it may be something that I said. It may be you thinking back to this experience and even just something that happened during the time period of us sitting here talking <clears throat> stands out and then helps you at whatever point you're at in your life six months down the road. Right. And so I think that that's how we influence and affect one another where I may not necessarily change somebody's mind or my damn throat. (laughs) Um, but I think that, I think you exchange thoughts in a sense, you exchange energy where, do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not looking to change anybody's mind. I'm not looking to make them suddenly believe in energy as love and the universe and everything like that. Right. But if there's some aspect of their mind that gets sparked or turned on, do you know what I mean? Right. Some little light switch that, you know, eventually they move into that room and open it up more and then they get to decide what's in that space. That's, that's and a gift to give somebody to me. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest gift, but so are you traveling around? Like, how are you choosing where to go to do your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, uh, I boots on the ground. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we, I don't travel a lot to do the podcast. A lot of times it's just at home and mm-hmm. interviews there. And we do a lot of like interviews on Skype and things like that. Um, when I do travel, it's for work. And then I bring the podcast along and try to, 
whether I reach out ahead of time and try to find people or, you know what I mean? Things like that. But it's fun. It's so fun. It's way fun. This was a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. I never get to do this. Nobody <laughs> asks me questions. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And then you guys have a ton of shows out there and a lot of things and we things do. that you do. Yeah, we do a ton of work with all the major networks. Um, basically, we, we do work with History Channel and Nat Geo, Animal Planet, uh, Discovery Channel, HGTV, DIY, food, travel. So just kind of run the gamut of everything. And it makes my life so fun. Mm, very cool. Yeah. What's the website for Warm Springs? Uh, warmspringsproductions.com warmspringsproductions.com excellent yep and we're based in in montana we have our main headquarters is in missoula montana we have a satellite office here in manhattan and then you know we have freelancers and uh people crews out all over the country and sometimes all over the world so yeah it's a it's a cool cool situation to be in (laughs) well thank you so much for taking the time thank you craig it was good to see you good to see you too and everybody go out and have a beautiful beautiful wonderful day it's not like i look at you and see a blue aura like floating around you Mm -hmm. or you're not like a smurf i think intuitively if there is somebody that has bad intentions i think you can feel it I just so believe that everything lines up for whatever reason, whatever reason it is, you know? The biggest surprise to me is how people want to tell you their story. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, share the podcast with somebody and let them to bask in all the wonderful things that we talk about and benefit from all these amazing guests. And we'd love to hear from you. Reach out, contact us. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of on the podcast or any questions you may have for me as well. I'd be happy to answer anything that you may have. But much love, everybody. Go have a wonderful day.